Oh, hello and welcome to episode 148 of Beyond the Wait with Henny and Sandy. Hello, Henny. Hello. I really like those little snowflakes. <laughs> For some reason, the reactions that I have in Skype right now are still Christmas themed. I'm not really sure why. It is so bizarre. I know. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't have them. I have a snowflake. I have a laughing Santa. I have a surprised Rudolph. I have a thumbs up with a, like, with the cuff of the Santa jacket. Oh. And I have a little bit of mistletoe. You know, I, I don't know what to say. Do you, <laughs> I, I don't know really what to say special. because, you know what, it's because we're, you know, listeners. Henny doesn't even have a Christmas tree. She has some Christmas tree ornaments. We're not sure <laughs> why, but she doesn't have a Christmas tree. I think you should have put them, you should have hung them on your arrow garden. There you go. Oh, yes, you're right. You know, you know what? There's a girl that I follow on Instagram. She's in one of the book clubs that I'm in and she still has her Christmas tree up. Ridiculous. And at least once a week, she'll, like, post something on Instagram, like, in her stories that will be, like, yes, it's still up. Or, like, <laughs> put it down yet, you know, like, or still convincing myself to take the tree down, you know, like, stuff like that. And every time I see it, it makes me chuckle because, like, she just loves it so much that she just keeps it up. And I'm just so lazy about it that I don't even put one up. <laughs> But that's not to say I don't have Christmas spirit. No, 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 no. That's that. I would agree that that. I just can't be bothered with the tree. Yeah. Although I do have some ornaments that are nice. Maybe I need a miniature tree. Like a. Like a tabletop. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what I need. Then I can. Then I can feature a few of my cute little ornaments. And not really have a lot of work. <laughs> I think I think that's what I need. I need the the moral of the story is I need less work in my life. <laughs> well, honey, let me tell you. Today I had my last of my first block of physio, and which hasn't been it's just been somebody doing something to me. I get up on the table, they use this little hook thing around my scar, which hurts because it actually feels like someone who had a long fingernail, like long fingernails, and then they're right at the edge of your scar and like digging in. Okay. And, um, but it's to like break down all of the scar tissue and, yeah. and promote the healing and everything there. So that, and that's fine. But um, next week I start in the anti gravity treadmill. Oh, that's exciting. I'm, I'm going to be like an astronaut. Yeah. And I mean, that's anti-gravity. Yeah. So you get in and it zips around you and then they put air in it and it takes, they start with removing 80% of your body weight. So I, I, I'm going to ask if there's a way we can figure out how to permanently remove it. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Can I, can I, and, and like, I mean, beggars can't be choosers. I don't need you to remove 80%. But exactly. Like, you remove 8%. Perfect. Perfect. Right? Exactly. See, now, yes. now we're talking. Yeah. yeah just, I mean, there's got to be a way. Yeah. So <laughs> so I start that, and then, and then he sees how I do 
and then they'll slowly start increasing the amount of body weight that I'm, I'm putting on and then um, have me start like maybe running and stuff. So I have, that's for 12, I have 12 sessions of that for half an hour. But the other half hour, I'm still with the guy that I've been with, which was very happy because I really like him a lot. And I said okay. to him today, I thought today was going to be our sad farewell and goodbye. I said, now I'm really excited because I didn't know that I was getting to spend more time with you every week because I really like talking to this young guy. We oh, talk nice. about cooking and all kinds of stuff. He's 28. He's very cute. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very, very cute guy. Um, so so that starts next week, which That's is great. Sorry, doing it is, yes. And anyway, so I have been working out with the trainer still. Um, I take my boot off for a little bit of stuff and then I keep it on for others. So today I actually stood up while doing weights, the arm stuff, yeah. where I have been laying down and doing it on the mat, like um, but today we stood up and then I have just been doing a little bit of squats, but today, can I tell you how many squats I did today? Oh, yes. I did four set of 20 Uh huh. and then I did two sets of 10 and the two sets of 10 were the down and hold until yeah. he tells me to come up. So I did a hundred squats, hundred squats today. First, it's a little challenging on a, on a, a boot. Yeah, I believe that because your balance would be. Yeah. Impacted, right? Yeah. And I can't like go as wide as I normally would want to, but I was really focused on getting like into a good squat because there's no sense I'm doing it if it's not activating Proper. the right muscle. Mm-hmm. But I really can tell you that tomorrow I'm going to feel it. <laughs> yes. That's great though. Yeah. I felt It feels good to like the little bit of progress, you know, starting yeah. to do different things. So yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, that well, was all good. Yeah, good to hear. Yes, thank you. And thank how you, does you. your ankle feel like in general? Like, I don't feel any pain. It feels nothing. It feels, I would say it feels a little bit um, uh, when I'm like flexing it forward, you know, it feels a little tight still when I have my feet and then I would like, like go pigeon toed. So I'm turning it, rotating internally. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, it does get to a point where I can feel it. And so I back up a little bit and then just slowly because I need to like increase it. But, but they're super happy with my range of motion. So, and I, today I can see all, like all the tendons on the top of my foot. So the swelling is like really receded a lot. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's coming along coming along i'm very very happy it'll be uh what was it it's, it'll be six weeks i think on saturday since my surgery i mean that's not really that long yeah yeah they they say i'm on the sh- the, the the shorter end of the recovery for what they tell people you know it's this right. between three and three and like five months or whatever and they right. figure that by the end of 12 weeks i'll be you know pretty pretty good pretty good maybe running so yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to push it, you know. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. But, but it's uh, but it's good that that it feels as good as it does. And it's good that you're able to put the time in to yeah. having it treated yeah. properly and to do all the physio, you know, because I think that is an issue that happens often when people have injury or injuries or a surgery or whatever it might be, you know, that it's like, you know, 
you should be doing this and this and this and this for recovery, but you're only actually doing just this. And so then your recovery doesn't go as well as planned, but I mean, no wonder, because for whatever plethora of reasons, Mm -hmm. you haven't followed the entire recovery plan, right? Either lack of time or lack of financial means or Mm -hmm. lack of interest, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And and I, I think that you don't realize that doing it closer to like when the injuries happen or the surgery that you have a better chance of long-term recovery because it can in the future give you some issue mm-hmm. you know if, if you don't do the things that you need to do so I'm I'm hopeful I have put my my body weight on it but not um my full body weight on it yeah. and I I think if they told me it was fine to walk without my boot on, I would you walk. You would. Yeah. Awesome. But, yeah. So it's all good. All good. What else has been happening with you? What have you been reading? <laughs> um, I was going to say, I don't, what else has been happening with me? I don't know. I mean, you know, same old, same old. So a couple of different things that I have been reading just briefly. So mm-hmm. number one, I'm reading The Color Purple by okay. Alice Walker, yeah. which is like a classic and for whatever reason, I never, like, I, I missed it somehow, you know, like, I, I've okay. never read it, even though it, it does, but, but there are other, you know, quote unquote, classic books that I also never read. Like, I know a lot of people read Catcher in the Rye in school. Yeah. I never read that. Me neither. You know? So, like, there are a bunch like that, but The Color mm-hmm. Purple is one of them, like, one of those kind of books. And, and so I thought, you know what, it's, it's about time that I you know, was cultured enough, I guess, is such a silly thing to say, but it's like, it's, it's time for me to read this. And so I'm about two thirds of the way through and it is a great read. Mm. Like I am really, really enjoying it. The language is something. Spicy? Uh, Yep. (laughs) It is, it is, but it's so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great story. It's a great story. I'm really, really enjoying it. So, so that's one thing that I'm reading. The other thing that I just read and I devoured it was a book called Nine Nasty Words, English in the Gutter. Okay. The author is John McWhorter and the book is all about like English swear words. Okay. <laughs> and so he he breaks it into like it's nine words like that and each word gets its own chapter but he breaks it into three categories. So he's so he says, you know, in English there are really three different ways to curse. One is curses related to religion. Uh-huh. So uh, so and so then he talks about uh, he talks about those words like like hell or damn or words like that. And then there's the section that's words about bodies and bodily functions. And so yeah. those are also swear words. And then the third category of, of English swears would be like derogatory words about people. 
Okay. And so, so he goes, but then each word gets its own chapter where he talks about all sorts of things related to the word, where it comes from, linguistically where it comes from, how it came to be used in English, how it might have been used in the 1600s versus in the 2000s, um, you know, words, some words have become less problematic as time has gone by other words have become more problematic as time has gone by and mm -hmm. why that may be uh, you know like it it was fascinating i so, so I, I want first thing i need to ask you was was that book in your libby because you put a hold on it because it really sounds like a tim book to me as this is tim written all over it I know, I know, especially because it's very like linguistic yes. and about language and the and yeah. the history of language. No, but and so I've told him that he needs to read it because he oh. will love it. Oh, but it yeah. was a book that I okay that I put a hold on it, and I even know why I put a hold on it. You do, I do. Are you making notes about these things now? <laughs> no, but I should. <laughs> I remember because I read a, a different book, like, I don't know, a couple of months ago called Word Slut, that was about, <laughs> that was about words and, and the English language. And particular, it was particularly like a feminist look at language and yeah. how women speak and the words women use and the, and the words people use about women and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But she, that author, of that book was featured on a podcast and she was talking about this book nine uh, nasty okay. words and i and i thought well i loved her book i loved yeah. listening to her talk now i need to read this other book so okay okay so that's uh that's what i've been reading oh that's very exciting so, so between between that and the olympics I am full to the scuppers with things. <laughs> uh, yes, you would be. You, you truly would be. Yeah. So, you know, we have a multi, um, uh, uh, multi shows on the on the go, right? Because of my, our rotation of shows that we watch. Right, 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 across right. Across Netflix, Prime, uh, Apple. You know, anyone that's making content, we're paying for something somewhere. So, <laughs> yes, and also this is us because then we had to pay for that. We had to actually buy the season. So right. we also have that. We had an ex Phil made an exception for me the other night. Oh. Might have been last night because we'd already watched one of the shows this week. But there was only one episode left in the of eight. There was eight episodes, and we only had the, the last one to finish it up. But it and it was called the Shrink Next Door. Oh, okay. So the sh Will Farrell and Paul Rudd are in it. Oh, okay. But this is I already had listened to the podcast before they even like I even knew that this was they it was even a, a show. It's, it's it's a true story of a um therapist who basically takes over someone's life by having them cut off their whole family. He's in New York um who gets involved in their business and over 30 years, almost, almost 30 years, it's 27 years does this, but, but it's based on a true story. The podcast was fascinating in itself. Is the pot, sorry to interrupt. Is the podcast yeah. called the shrink next door? Yes. 
I would recommend it, Henny. I think you would really like it. I, but I, yeah, you, but you, you had me. Also, you had me at the shrink. <laughs> yeah, but you also know that I um, uh, I don't like to either read something and then watch it, or listen and watch it. So yeah. Phil had been like, "Oh, I saw this thing," and I was like, mm, "And I look, I'm like, mm, I think I listened to that podcast. It's based on a true story. So it does every you know every." episode it says there's a disclaimer saying it's like it's loosely based on true events because the actual if you've watched the series and you thought it was fascinating I do recommend that you listen to the podcast because the podcast is actually they interview neighbors um, people who were really involved there and this has been fictionalized to an extent the the actual show um, so that we watched the first episode and Will Ferrell plays the guy that's being duped and Paul Rudd plays his therapist. And um, the first episode, I was like, I don't know, this seems really cheesy to me, whatever. Anyways, it was so friggin' well done. Like they tied it up last night so exceptionally well. I highly recommend it. This really, really sounds delightful. And where do yeah. you watch it? I think that might have been on Apple TV. Do you have do you have Apple? You have access yeah. to Apple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Apple. Now, yeah, it is Apple TV. I just googled. You were yeah. right. So the other podcast I've been listening to is called Scammers. Oh, and well, these also sounds really because this every episode is about a person that has been scammed, either a romance scam or some type of scam, or they run a Facebook group to support people who've been scammed. And the woman that runs it uh, or hosts it, it's because her mother who was diagnosed with terminal cancer was scammed out of $200,000. It is, it's, it's like some episodes are 20 minutes, some are 30, some are 40, whatever. But it is so, because you try to like, as people are telling their story, you're like, how did you in any shape or form think that that was real? Yeah. How? Yeah. How did yeah. you think? And it's a lot of it is not are not, it's a Nigerian scammers. So they they do a lot. Right. It's a lot of the romance stuff. Right. Um, but they but they also share their stories because they want to maybe help someone who who maybe is in the middle of this right now, of talking course, about yeah. like not to be ashamed of it, um, how to get out. Um, anyways, very very interesting. That's what I'm spending my time over here doing. That's, I mean, it sounds like time well spent. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen, so it was originally, it was a documentary that was like a full length documentary and then it has become a television show and it's called Catfish. Uh, no, I've heard so, of it. I have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's similar. Oh, it's similar in that it's scamming. Right, it's yeah. people scamming other people, but it's mm -hmm. all online. Yep, and it's all one person pretending to be another person, right? So either pretending to be a completely different person, or mm -hmm. being yourself but using someone else's photos, or you know. But and it's and so most of the stories that are featured are you know, somehow related to romantic relationships, right? No, every once in a while, it's something different, but it's, it reminds me a little bit, like when you're talking about yeah. scammers, it reminds me a little bit about that. Uh, sometimes in those stories too, there's money exchanged, Yeah, but often not. Like often it's, 
often it's it's time and energy and emotional output yes. and then it turns out to be nothing right it, or it right. turns out to be a a you know something that you weren't expecting right but yeah yeah but it's, actually i think i might have listened to an episode of that because there was one where the person was actually had taken her sister's identity because that's ah, also what they do right yeah. like these even these scammers like i mean how many times a week do I get someone that's like wants to follow me on Instagram and it's like some guy in the army in the Navy or, the, you yeah. know, whatever. And, a, and they say a lot of um, men in the armed forces have their identities taken like so their photos are used. So you yeah. just think you're talking to and you're not actually speaking that's to it. them. That's so, it. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Anyway. Wow. It, it's a, it's just interesting because one just hearing about other people and how as they explain how they were sort of sucked into it and didn't couldn't get out of it even when people around them were telling them that this is not real the extent they will go to to get money to help these people just is so interesting and bizarre at the same time think in any sort of situation like that when you're on the outside it's easy to look in and be like what are you thinking yeah so many red flags none of this makes sense yeah. none of this sounds safe none of this sounds good you know but when you're the person in it it's mm -hmm. impossible to see that yeah for whatever yeah. reason yes exactly I'm really excited about this show and podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the shrink yeah. next door. I'm I'm gonna have to. I don't know when I'm gonna check that out, but at some point I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. So I I snipped something that I saw uh, on Instagram this week, and I okay. I I read it, and I was like, hmm, I need to ask you, you know, your thoughts around it. Okay. And so it was Brené Brown, um, and she had it was a post from someone named dan pink uh, i guess it's the power of regret so it said over time people regret what they didn't do more than what they did do uh -huh. regrets of inaction are far more common than regrets of action uh-huh and do you agree with that i think so yeah, yeah. i think so yeah i i think the over time is the the key uh, yeah yeah i think that is true i think it ha i think yeah i think it has to be because if you think of things that you've done even if they didn't turn out the way that you thought they were going to in many cases something positive has come from it, right? Like mm. you do something and it didn't turn out exactly the way that you thought, but it led you to something else. Or you do something and it was a complete flop, but you learned from it. Or, you know, I mean, I think there are things that, that people do that they may regret. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that, I'm not saying that you, that no one will ever regret anything they ever do, but but I think it makes a lot of sense to me to think that the things that I've done at the time 
like maybe even looking back, I think, uh, like I know now that I shouldn't have done that, but at the time I stood behind it or, you know, like, so, so then even like, do I regret it? I mean, if I were, if I were given that opportunity at this moment, would I make the same decision? Probably not. But if I, if I were to go back and do things over again, would I make the same decision? Probably, you know, whereas, whereas that idea of inaction, I think, I think those are the things we regret because they lead us to the, what could have been. Exactly what I was thinking just as we were, you know, I was listening to you. I think that's exactly what it is. When you have done something, you've actually, you've actually like made a decision. You've you've followed something through. And you've seen where it brought you to, whether you like it or not. Exactly. You see what the outcome was. Yeah. Whereas the things that you didn't do, the opportunities that you didn't take. Yeah. The conversations that you didn't have, whatever. Mm -hmm you are you live in a yeah you're you're in a constant state now of wondering what yeah 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 Yeah, like what if i had done this what if i had done that would things be different i think there's no closure to it i guess yeah that's what it is and so i think it would be much easier to regret those things i think in a lot of cases those aren't necessarily regrettable choices either it just is like you said, you're in a state of wondering, but it's not that I necessarily regret it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm thinking like, if I look back, you know, at the way that my life has panned out, like, are there regrets that I have? I don't know. Regret is a, it's a heavy word. eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's a strong word. Yeah. That's a tough one. Like I'm, you know, things that I may have chosen to do or not do, the the way that I decided to do my schooling, the, you yeah. know, yeah, like I, uh, those aren't regrets that I have, mm-hmm. you know, um, do I regret, like, <laughs> do, do I regret some of the things that I've eaten? I mean, I even that, like, you know, maybe the day after I regret it, but like when I look back over the course of my life, I mean, I don't regret those things. Like I roll my eyes at myself for some of the things that I, but, but I, I don't think, I think regret is too strong of a word. Yeah. I, I can think about like, do I regret, you know, marrying John? I don't think I necessarily regret doing it because I have, you know, I have the kids. Yeah. I wouldn't have been in a situation to, or to have an opportunity to meet Phil. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, so. That's like, why I feel like the decisions that you make are less likely to lead to regret because. Yeah. Because something has come of that. Yeah. Even if you can't see it at the time, like sometimes it does take a period of time and it could be years before you can objectively look back and realize that, you know, at the time I made this decision immediately after or shortly after I I wish I hadn't done it. But now I can see that it was, it was the right thing to do. You know, things have turned out okay. So people may be very surprised to know that we have just been listening to the same book again. 
<laughs> yeah. No one's and, and that and that it may be about food and nutrition and artificial flavorings and how our bodies have been screwed up and manipulated by <laughs> yeah the you know big food <laughs> big food <laughs> okay so sandy how far are you through the book i think i yeah i think you probably got further than me because i got side sidelined today i am at like 68 percent okay yeah, I'm, ooh, you're, we're, oh, I'm at 81%. Okay. Okay. So neither of us have finished the book, but we're, we're both getting dangerously close to the end. So I think we can Dangerous. speak, <laughs> I think we can speak pretty confidently about it. So here's my question to you, Sandy. So, yeah. okay. First of all, for our listeners, we did mention this book last yeah. week, just in passing, because it's by the same author as the End of Craving, which is the book we talked about last week. And so this book is called The Dorito Effect. Yes. And it is his second book. So the author is Mark Schatzker. Mm -hmm. The Dorito Effect is his second book. The End of Craving, which is what we talked about last week, that's his third book. Correct. So that's a more recent book. So yeah. my question to you, Sandy, first off, do you have a preference one or the other? Did you like one better than the other? Mm, not necessarily. Um, I think, well, maybe. I think that I, I, was, I, I was more interested in the stuff in the third book yeah. than a good portion of um, what I've listened to in this, in this book. Yes. So I don't really care about the goats and, and all of that type of stuff that they were, there was a lot about goats and I mean, I, I mean, it's fascinating. It it's is fascinating. Kind of. I understand that. I understand what he's like, the connection between goats and the, the, the way they've manipulated the feed. So, that, and, and chickens so that they get fatter quicker and how I understand that that is exactly what is happening to us. I get right. that. Right. So that's relevant. Um, but I still found it really fascinating. I found it fascinating about the, um, cause they, they just kept saying McCormick, McCormick. And I'm like, Oh yeah, McCormick, the spice people. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So I also feel the same way. So if you, if you are a person who listens to us, I mean, bless your heart, but if you are a person who listens to us and you're thinking there's no way I can possibly read all of these books that you're reading, you got to narrow it down for me. You got to give me just one to read. Yeah. I'm going to say, read the end of craving. Yeah, I, I agree. But if you love to read and you've got the time to read and you want to go a little bit farther than the end of craving. Yeah. You got to get into the Dorito effect because like Sandy said, it is also really, really interesting. Yeah. Very. So the whole idea with behind the Dorito effect is the idea that food today is genuinely, genuinely and generally bland. Yes. And in order to make it appealing, we have to add flavor. Correct. And we're so good at adding flavor that we can make anything taste great. Yes. And so that's the Dorito effect. Because yeah. when 
what we now know of as a as a Dorito was first introduced, it was a super bland corn chip. Yeah. And so the the companies had to come up with a way to make it taste appealing. Yeah. And so they had to find a way to make this super bland chip taste like a taco. Yeah. <laughs> and and they've ended up coming up with Dorito. And yeah. so but they so they apply this idea of the Dorito effect to all sorts of foods. Yeah. Yeah. The, so one thing and and why is our food bland today? So why is our food bland today? When you hear them say you know at in like in 1950 you know, one acre of land, they would grow, you know, 50 bushels of potatoes, for example. But mm -hmm. today on one acre of land, they're, they're growing 500 bushels. Then you obviously know the reason. I mean, it's the depletion of everything in the soil that yeah. is 100% to do with it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And this is happening to everything. Strawberries, like everything makes, that makes sense to why things don't have any taste well and, and it's not just like things that are being grown and that the soil is yes. being depleted like it's all sorts of different things it's, yeah. because the other thing that he talks about a lot because there's a whole section about tomatoes yeah and why to like why so many tomatoes don't really have a flavor yeah. and and so he's trying to f you know he's talking about how to figure out like why these foods tomatoes being an example have no flavor and and it's be and one of the things one of the reasons is because things are are filled with moisture in yeah. order to make them bigger and heavier and whatever it is but but of course that moisture has no flavor and it, and so it, no, it, and it, it dilutes it it dilutes the flavor exactly yeah, yeah. which which is also about like chicken. So it was interesting because they, they talk in the book about this young kid who there was a contest in like 1953 or something like that to, to grow the biggest chicken, I think it was, right? Yes. And, and so this kid actually figured out how to do it and won this contest, but what's happened from then on is that now the chickens have no flavor mm -hmm. and chickens have no flavor and now eggs don't have any flavor either. Yeah. I, I always sort of thought it was done in a lab, you know, like, right. Yeah. It was a scientific type thing, but it was like some kid. Yeah. It was something to do with the feed. That's what they do to all animals is add, they add flavors to add. Yeah, that's it. Well, and so here's the part, or I mean, here's the part. So many parts are interesting. But one of the things that that was really interesting was this idea that our bodies, and it just goes back to things that we've talked about so often, Sandy, about how smart our bodies are. Mm -hmm. You know, that our bodies know what they need. And, and animals' bodies yeah. are no different. They know what they need. And so there were all these different studies that they talk that he talks about in the book where when animals were 
short in a particular type of mineral or a particular type mm-hmm. of, of vitamin or whatever. And then they gave them food that had that mineral in it, but they flavored it a certain way. Yeah. Then the animal body knew, ah, I'm now getting this mineral that I need, but associated it with the flavor. Yeah. And so then later when they had foods that were flavored that same way, if the animal thought they needed that mineral, they would eat the flavor, whether yeah. or not they were getting the mineral. Like, like it's just yeah, so, it's mm-hmm. so tricky. It's so sneaky. It is. And I, one thing I wrote down here is, uh, like I said, you can fool the tongue, but you can't fool the body. Exactly. So just like you were saying, you know, they think they're getting something, but the body knows that I'm not getting that. Correct. Yeah. That was really cool. And the other part that I really liked was when he's talking about going to these places where, which are really essentially labs where they're developing these flavors. He talks a lot about, you know, this idea that there's a science behind like putting together these flavors, but that, that, what is as important to the flavor as Mm -hmm. the science behind putting it together is Mm -hmm. the feeling that you get from experiencing the flavor. Mm -hmm. And so he talks about like being at this place and, and take like tasting some of the flavors and having to fill out the flavor profile and thinking that he was like being so clever like with picking out like how this flavor made him feel and then the person who was doing the testing said yes like you are amongst the majority of people who choose those words when you have this flavor and he was like oh (laughs) i'm the same as everyone else everyone finds cinnamon like a comforting flavor oh yeah cinnamon that's right saigon cinnamon (laughs) but but, and that was the other point was that it's like designer flavors but we need these flavors in order to make our bland and diluted food palatable i know but then we're like tricked into eating more because the flavor is so good that our bodies just can't get enough of it even Mm. though we have had enough of it well and and so and, and you're thinking, you know, listener, you may be thinking, yeah, so what What about it? But what about it is that that's, it really was trying to understand why, like, you know, only 30% of Americans are at, at a healthy weight, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the rest are obese or overweight. Mm-hmm. And this is why, because when they, you have those flavors you actually are eating more because your body needs to have more of the food to get the nutrients that it needs, which is why you can fool the tongue, but you cannot fool the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they also really talked about that with artificial sweeteners. And it's so odd because artificial sweeteners, you know, you've heard for a long time, oh, they're like 600 times as sweet and blah, 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 but you don't have the calories. But when you think about it, that's, that's probably the issue is that even though it doesn't have the sugar on it, you still have to consume because your body isn't getting, it doesn't really get the hit from it mm-hmm. that it's expecting. 
Mm-hmm. Because the brain knows that it's got the sweet, but the body isn't experiencing that. That's it. And so I think this was the first time that I kind of got that. Right. That kind of made sense to me. Because there's like um, a caloric dissonance, right? Yeah. Your your body is expecting to ingest a certain number of calories because of the sweetness it tastes. Yes. But then it doesn't get it. Yeah. And so then it still, it's looking for it. Yeah. I found that really interesting. I mean, there's certain artificial sweeteners that I don't like. And I know, I think everybody has certain ones that just aren't palatable. You can, it tastes weird you know you know it's not and it's not enjoyable but there's so many really good ones out there also that taste good and you know like you my my thing is like you know um uh a coke zero or like a fizzy pop that has no calories in it but i'm not one to put artificial sweeteners on other things you know i think i think that each of us needs to make you know the decision on how much of that we're ingesting aside from the other issues that they say are tied tied mm-hmm. to that, right yeah, yeah yeah um but super super interesting yeah and it's what's the other what really interesting is the number of people that are doing um studies mm-hmm. on this type of stuff mm-hmm. what else yeah. do they say about spices i think like you know, when they started sort of recording the num- the amount of spices that every like the average person would consume in a year, it was like a half a pound. And I think the most recent one is three and a half pounds yeah. of of spices that, yeah. that we're actually yeah. putting onto into our food to give it yeah. some sort of flavor. Yeah, he was talking about at a certain period of time, they called it the salt and pepper generation because that was the huh. only spice you needed in order to make the food taste good because the food tasted so good all on its own. Whereas now, and he, and he picks on chicken quite a bit. <laughs> so yeah. he's like, you know, with chicken, he's like, it's it's got to be, it needs a spice rub. It needs a brine. It needs yeah. a, and then he said, or it needs to be breaded and fried and, yeah. you know, and all of this stuff because we, we have to do that in order to add the flavor that we're looking for yeah yeah I do my my mom has to have salt and pepper on the table like if she goes anywhere she has to have salt and pepper salt and pepper salt and pepper my mom also yeah Brock also has salt and pepper and so when I always got the girls like they like to have salt and pepper well he mixed it together and he calls it his special mix so it was a whole thing that they don't know what's in it it's salt and pepper mixed together hilarious (laughs) hilarious and it's special so it's dad's and they have to ask to have it it's I mean, not that he cares, but it's a, it's a big thing. Anyway. That's so funny. But I, I wouldn't put a salt shaker on my table. Like, I, it's just not something I do. Oh, you do. I, I sure do. Interessante. Okay. So, so I, because I grew up in a household of the salt and pepper goes on the table. So did I. I also, I, I also... Like would always put salt and pepper out, um, and I used to salt and pepper my food before I even tried, tried it. it. Yeah, I no longer do that. Okay, progress. Um, I I will yeah progress. So I will always taste something before I add salt and pepper to it. Well, but you don't need to now because it's already got a bunch of other crap on it <laughs> <laughs> that probably includes well, salt. So when I cook things myself, I don't yeah. necessarily have to add salt b- 
because yeah. I've salted it already. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and so often, so often I will say, like yeah. if I've cooked something, if I've prepared it myself, then I often will just put. Actually, I'm trying to think about that. I do sometimes just put the pepper shaker out, and I don't put the salt out because okay. I know it doesn't need salt. Yeah. So, so maybe that's progress, but yeah, no, no. Salt, salt and pepper goes on the table. That's, that's part of setting the table. The salt and pepper goes out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think that we, I, that might be the, the, the Instagram story or the, the question for the week. I think we may have used that before though. Oh, if people but, put salt and pepper on their table. Yeah. I think that's a good one. I'm curious. So I'm curious too. to know if more people do yeah. that because I'm definitely, I'm definitely a salt and pepper Person. Although I will tell you that when I worked at La Cellier in in Disney World, and people would ask for salt and pepper, that was so annoying. Like as as the server, it was so annoying. Like <laughs> because I'm trying to think, why was it so obnoxious when people asked for salt and pepper? I think because there weren't that many salt and pepper shakers in the restaurant maybe so then you had to like track down the salt and pepper and then make a special trip back to the table to bring it to them okay. but also like the restaurant that i worked at was a fairly high end steakhouse and so yeah. then you also sort of think like you don't need salt and pepper like this yeah. food is flavor yeah. properly you know but yeah. i think mostly it was just annoying because you had to track down the salt and pepper and then like make an extra trip to the table to bring it to them and then of course when you were clearing the table it was like one extra thing that you had to clear <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize i didn't realize that was such a pet peeve of mine until just now no so <laughs> when i worked for mcdonald's at breakfast time, we'd always put salt and pepper shakers. And um, uh, at one time, it was a syrup, a jug of syrup too, like the little syrup containers, you know, oh, that yeah. slipped back, and you, you know, poured the yeah. syrup on it. And so that would be part of the setup in the morning, when for the for the lobby was would be to do that. Well, also back when you're putting the little um, cigarette, like the ashtrays, out too. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm going way back. 1982. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that there that he talks a fair amount about is because the whole book, the whole premise is really about flavor and yeah. adding flavor and, you know, what constitutes a quote unquote natural flavor, you know, which is yeah. not really that natural at all. But uh, so all these th things that are flavored. And so he said, this is also an issue for our bodies because when we and he get, and I just listened to this part, this is why it's like fresh in my memory. So he says, for example, a strawberry a strawberry has like 0 0.32 calories in it. Yeah. And so he said, so you have that strawberry and your, and your, and your body recognizes that flavor. But he said, a, like a strawberry Danon yogurt or whatever, yeah. Yeah. you know, like per bite of that is like 
20 something calories or like a strawberry flavored pop tart is however yep. many calories or a strawberry this and so he gives us all so he said all like it's the same flavor but calorie wise it's so different and yeah. what your body and if your body is expecting the strawberry which is 0.32 calories and it gets the strawberry pop tart which is not you know like <laughs> this is also an issue yeah. with with how this idea of of flavor itself can be mm-hmm. problematic for yeah. for nutrition and 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 weight right yeah that do you we're, think any we're consuming more than we need or yeah. not yeah. what we need yeah so i mean because you and i listen to a lot of books with similar type information does it do you does has it changed the way that you may put a meal together like do you ever does it ever do is it ever occur to you as you're doing that to consider any of those things like the amount maybe of an artificial um flavoring that's in something versus something that maybe you've used like fresh herbs and things for because you can you can buy um, I mean, even like a dried, a dried spice, it's often you'll, you might be on mix, right? So it's got a few things in it, but they always add, there's some artificial something in there to keep it fresh longer, mm-hmm. you know, but I, so I, I just, it just occurred to me, like, does that, do you even, does it even cross your mind? Like, because of the, the things that we read, we hear, we talk about. I don't know. I think that the more we the more we read and learn and talk about food in general, the more aware I am yeah. of things that are like what would be considered a whole food, like things from the ground or things that are things that have been processed or things that have been processed and processed and processed and processed. Like I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm much more aware of that. Mm-hmm. I think I, and then I think there are other things too, where I do pay more attention to how things impact the flavor of something. So like, cause you were saying about dried herbs or, never just fresh herbs I never had fresh herbs I just either omitted the herbs that was Mm -hmm. that were in the like in the recipe or I used the dried version whereas now I know that things taste better and fresher when the when the herbs are fresh so so that is something that I definitely have done um yeah, I think, I don't know, that's a particular change. I don't know if other things are so much changes as just being aware. Although I know that awareness brings about change. You know what the other thing is that I would never have done in the past, whereas I do now, would be like if a recipe calls for like lemon zest or something. I would mm-hmm. be like, oh, I don't need this. Like, like 
I don't yeah. need the zest. I've got the bottle of lemon juice. Like I don't, whereas yeah. now I'm like, no, no, I need the lemon. I need the zest. I need, I need to squeeze the juice myself. Yes. Like, you know, and, and it, and those things do make a difference. Uh, and I, I exactly hundred percent what you're saying is exactly how I was. I would just leave it off. I don't have it. Yeah. I'm just leaving it off. It can't make that much of a difference. It's like a half a teaspoon yeah. or whatever. And then, and then you find out that, wait a minute, it really does. I'm also really do try to use fresh herbs whenever possible. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then finding a way to use ones where I've got leftovers. So something like parsley, now I actually add it to my green leaf, leafy, you know, base. And I chop it all up inside there. And there's nothing that is like to the mouth to like eat a salad. And then you like biting into like what was fresh fresh um parsley mm -hmm. i never really thought parsley had a flavor i thought it was just yeah. for garnish you yeah know? you've said that before but yeah. it really has a nice flavor so so that's that's a change um and the same with lemon juice i mean it was you know but but i grew up like that too it was just like a you've got a real lemon like you know, yeah. lemon you got juice. The little, you got the little plastic yeah. orange lemon with the yeah. little lid. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The one thing I've, I've just started doing here and, and honestly, I think it's, this is why I think it's really great when you are invited to someone's house or somebody stays with you or someone shares how they prepare something and that there's, you know, things that I'm like, huh, I never really thought about that. I thought it was more of a pain to do that. So when Alexandra and Graham were here, she was making, because lemons are difficult to find here, but limes are all over the place and the limes are all different sizes. Like if you go to a restaurant, you will always be able to get like uh, a limonada, but it's not lemonade. It's made from limes. Oh, okay. And so, because Phil's been making Pisco Sours, which also is fresh lime juice, I often just buy, like they sell them in huge bags here and they're small, they're little ones. And so... I bought a real, like a, a real squeeze, like a juicer, like mm -hmm. a, and I've been making my own lemonade. I, oh. And I just started doing that because Alexandra was making it and I was like, this is not, I always thought it was too much work. It is not, it takes less than five minutes. What am oh, I, wow. what am I being such a baby about? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it tastes delicious. Oh, and so wow. I'm like, huh, okay, I think I'm going to do that. Alexander was really the one too that was making me salads like combinations of stuff. I'm like, huh, didn't think about that. Yeah. Just cut up cucumber and parsley, take a lime and like fresh lime on it with some salt. I'm like, huh, pretty damn good. So, <laughs> yeah, kind of like that, you know, that yeah. you like, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, it's like a whole new world. I'm like squeezing limes on everything, you know? Like, <laughs> Made my own guac guacamole. I've never made guacamole before because I watched her, her and Graham, and it was like an art. Like they're tasting it. Oh, I need a little more salt. I need a little. My tongue is not as sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. But, but it's all fun, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I like doing that. Like, like I like, you know, learning, continually learning and trying things out. And realizing that I've just told myself some story about how difficult and what a pain that would be. And it's not, it's not pain. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So confession. Okay. You know, what is one thing 
that I do believe is too much of a pain and too much problem or too much of an effort. And so I don't do it. Yeah, you don't cut your own garlic. <laughs> Correct. Oh, I'm so good. <laughs> Correct. Henny, I can tell you, though, fresh garlic compared to the stuff in the jar, the stuff in the jar has got a weird flavor to it, babe. Yeah. Garlic is so, and here's the thing, Henny, when you're doing your food prep, yeah, you can cut up, like, this is what I learned from, from Megan Telpner. Okay, okay. She does a whole bunch of them and then puts them in a little container in the fridge. And so it's just enough for the week. Okay. For different things. I do that now because then I use it in my salad dressing. Because I know it, it is a pain. Like, I don't want to get it's garlic. It's just, that's the thing. So, so, I have, so I have chopped garlic before in my life, you know, and yeah. that's why I've decided that, that's why I've decided that it's too much work. But. Well, but the I, other thing you, you could get is a garlic press. I know. I've used that too. It also feels like a lot of work. You know, I think I just don't like cleaning it. I'd rather just chop it on the board. I don't. I also don't like cleaning. Because that's it. why I'm lazy. I don't want to. I don't want to clean that thing out. Not me either. Yeah. Okay. But okay. All right. But and here's the thing: because if you buy a clove and then you don't want it to be around too long, any next time you roast your vegetables, just throw those cloves on there and you eat them, and they're not strong like a garlic, and they don't give you garlic breath, and there's so much goodness in that. Oh, I'm addicted. Right. Even oh. Phil, even, you know how fussy he is. The other yeah. day he goes, it's a garlic clove. And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, it's pretty tasty. Huh, yep, it is. <laughs> Roasted that baby with my onions and my uh, squash. Very good. All hmm. right. All right. Okay. That's going to be my challenge to myself. Okay. To switch over to real garlic. But I, I think you should also ask the people how many people buy it and how many don't. The other problem know, is the jars question. are too big. The jars are too big of the garlic, and then you can see the the, the color starts to turn yellow. No. It's old. It's it's old. It's not. You, you've lost. You've lost the. Pow. I know. All right. All right. You can. <laughs> Penny, you can. So many things. You've come so far. <laughs> I know. If I can zest a lemon, I. If I can grow lettuce in my arrow garden, uh. you could. I can definitely chop some garlic. Sky is the limit, Julia. <laughs> Sky is the limit. All right. I'm motivated. I can do it. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, dear. Well, Sandy, always a pleasure to chit-chat with you. Uh, same. Same, my friend. And, and, it's, and it's a super fun time for me when we get to read our books together, too. I know. I know definitely it is. I enjoy that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all for listening, Henny. Thank you for always carving out time to chat with me. And um, enjoy the rest of your night. Oh my goodness! You know what we missed? What we were gonna? Oh. T- what we were gonna say? Because last week was Valentine's Day, and <laughs> so we both had really interesting ways of spending that holiday. And so you said, oh, we should mention that on the podcast. So on, oh, yes. on Valentine's Day, yeah. my partner yes. and I had his and hers chiropodist appointments. <laughs> Super Lovely. romantic and sexy. Very. And on Valentine's Day, Sandy, yes. what Phil and I, Phil, Phil and I went and had a COVID shot. <laughs> 
it was so funny. Sandy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, going to the Shropodist. What are you doing? She's like, getting my COVID shot. <laughs> that is exactly what we did. That's hashtag yeah. relationship goals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll chat with you next week. We shall. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye, Bye. friend. Bye.